Paul, uh, Jets-Giants tonight. I want to get from Paul who the Giants are going to play and for how long. Paul, welcome. How are you? Hey, great to talk to you again, Mike. Uh, All right. In answer to tell your question. Yeah, tell me who's playing tonight and for how long. Yeah, based on what we saw during the uh, course of practice this week, uh, the starters are probably going to go about a half. Uh, it does look like Eli Manning certainly is going to get that much time because he took a lot of snaps with the first team, and he even indicated he expects to play deep into this game. Landon Collins also came out and remarked himself, he thinks the starters might even play as many as three quarters. The reason I'm a little bit uh, gray on this is Coach Shermer does not disclose potential snaps prior to the games. He just doesn't believe in doing it. He's been very coy about it, just saying he's going to be smart with the players, and the Veterans who need more work will get more work. So I've given you about as much evidence as I've been able to ascertain during the week. Will Barkley dress tonight? I don't expect him to. I don't expect Beckham to either. Okay, so neither will play. Okay, so I, I didn't think they would. So doesn't look like either way. And, and why be tempted? I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think it makes plenty of sense. Anybody else who's prominent out of the lineup this evening? No, I wouldn't think so. Uh, it would seem to me you'll see a lot of the offensive line because they've only had a combined total of only three quarters together. That would be the starters, I should say. So i got to believe that they will at least go a half, if not into the third. I don't think you'll see Eli Manning behind any second-team O-linemen. So I think they may even go longer than Eli if they decide to maybe get Davis Webb in there for some snaps behind the first team like they did in Detroit last week. And we saw that that actually worked in Webb's favor. Landon Collins, I would think he's probably one of the guys they would get out quicker uh, because they don't have any depth at safety. Same thing with the corners. You know, I wouldn't think you'd see Janoris Jenkins play too deep into this game. Probably the same thing with Ogletree as well. Paul, uh, offensive line, obviously so critical for this team. Uh, Sherman's even come out and laid it at their feet saying this team will go as far as the offensive line takes it. We know the changes they made. They, we know the guys they brought in. We know the guys they've tried to shuffle and count on. Let's start with the right tackle. How, how has Flowers played? He has been better, but, you know, we're not talking uh, all pro level. He, he's not an elite player, Mike. I mean, obviously, no matter how hard he tries, no matter how hard he may try to improve, um, what they need is a functional guy over there. If he can be good enough, be adequate, be functional, allow the offense to at least explore different avenues of their playbook, that's going to be good enough. I think right now he's okay to hold his own. How much more you're going to get out of him, I think, is anybody's guess. How good has the rookie been on the offensive line? He's very good. Uh, you're talking about Will Hernandez. Yeah, I think, guard, he's, going to be, I think is, he's going to be a pro pole player. I really do. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. He is a bit of a larger frame version of Richie Soybert, who, of course, never made a Pro Bowl, but was a, a dynamite good, player for this team. And versatile. Versatile and tough, which is what you want your offensive lineman to be. Soybert was a very underrated player, as was Deal. Those guys were really underrated guys who could play multiple positions. No question. A lot of people like to compare him to Snee, but I got a feeling that, that Hernandez is going to be able to flop to both sides, like you said. If they need him on the right, uh, he could certainly do it. Where has he been getting more time? Has he played both, or has he been predominantly staying on the one side? No, they've had him on the left because that's where he played in college. Right. But when they first brought him in after the draft, they said he could play either side, and 
and they've kind of settled it left and moved uh, Patrick Omame, the free agent from the Jaguars, over to the right side after he played left in Jacksonville. Earlier in Omame's career, he had played some right, so I think they just felt it was going to be more comfortable for him to flop over to the other side. I also think, Paul, you line him up, obviously, with an experienced quality tackle and you can run to that side when you have to for short yardage. Mm-hmm. So that, that you, don't want, you don't want to put him with flowers. You want to put him where he can do some good, and you put a tight end on that side, and you can run your short yardage stuff to that side. Yeah, Mike, that's an outstanding point because Nate Solder has really been the big brother on this O-line, has come in and provided a tremendous amount of leadership, class, and respect. And, uh, you know, having Hernandez work next to him is only going to enhance this rookie's development in a very quick fashion. Do they have any depth? Do they have? Can they? Listen, nobody in the league can sustain uh, injuries to their tackles. We all know that. But do they have any depth they can work with in terms of plugging a hole? In terms of guy going down in a game? Do they have any workable depth? Well, the depth that they have on the O-line, if, uh, besides the starting five, is the fact that the, whoever loses the center competition between Brett Jones and John Jalapio is going to be the sixth offensive lineman, and the swing guy on the interior, that's where their depth is. Even John Greco, the former Brown who signed with the Giants midway through last season, is a capable guard. The problem is a tackle. It would appear that Chad Wheeler, the undrafted rookie free agent last year out of USC, is like the third tackle right now, the swing tackle. He's the only backup who, in my mind, really has a chance to compete, and he has had a very difficult summer, which probably means uh, the waiver wire and the cutdown wire may be the place where the Giants get that position filled. You know, I was talking uh, to a GM in the league the other day, Paul, and he said to me, the odds on finding a decent offensive lineman getting cut in this league is almost impossible. He says they're keeping guys who are projects now. That's how few good players there are on the offensive line. Well, especially a tackle, Mike, because those edge guys have to protect your quarterback, and we all know they're the most valuable commodity on the field, so your statement could not be any more true. Uh, the problem is, Wheeler, again, only in his second year, if they can find somebody who is perhaps equally adequate, but at least a veteran who may have some tricks up his sleeve and maybe a little bit more savvy, they potentially could think that is a better option. But right now, I'd say that third offensive tackle spot is certainly one of concern. All right, a couple of things. Paul, we're talking with Paul Latino. This is the uh, one preseason game that actually mimics a real game. Uh, the starters go at least a half, maybe even three quarters. The Jets said they will play theirs into the third quarter. Uh, the Giants will probably do almost the same. Plus, this is the only one they actually game plan for. They don't game plan for any of the other three games. So this is actually one where they actually do some work, uh, and they do put together an actual game plan on both sides of the ball. So it's very much the only game you really can pay any attention to. Paul, you see every, uh, you're there every day, so let's get a, a little summary. Number one, Who's been the surprise of camp? Uh, if I give you a guy, give me the guy who's been the surprise of the camp. Well, I think and you, you may not call him a surprise because Sterling Shepard has been a good player during his first two NFL seasons. But, Mike, I have to tell you, 
He looks quicker than he has in the past. Uh, they've lined him up a lot on the outside as well. They don't want to just make him in a slot anymore. They want to be able to move him around. And I just, I just see a different player, a guy who is extremely confident, who really can excel. And I, I think he wants to make more big plays this year than he has in his first two seasons. You know, last year, after all the injuries at the position, he was called upon a little bit more, and he kind of stepped up, but then he got hurt at the end, 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 at the end of the season. I think Shepard right now looks like a very, very dynamic player. Paul, if going in, we knew the Giants had some holes they had to fill. Offensive line we knew was a hole. We knew corner was a problem. We knew edge pass rusher was a problem. Where are they most problematic starting the season? At which one of those positions? Is it corner? Is it uh, the edge on defense? Or is it on the offensive line? Well, I think the edge is a little bit solved because they drafted Lorenzo Carter out of Georgia in the third round, and they really like him a lot. And, of course, they signed Connor Barwin, the veteran pass rusher who had five sacks and limited action for the Rams last year. So they think they've kind of helped out that edge position uh, rather well. The, the thing right now is that they're not sure who the starting free safety is. Curtis Riley appears to have a nose up. Remember now, he's in his third year coming out of the Titans program. He played some corner, then converted to safety. At this point, it looks like he might be the Giants' starter opening day, so that's got to be considered a worry. The other thing that's really wide open is at nickel. Uh, you know that Apple and Jenkins are going to start. B.W. Webb has played the best of all of the other corners, but Mike, this guy's been on a half a dozen organizations and a half a dozen NFL seasons. I mean, you know, that's got to tell you something. I, he's done well to this point in camp, but it's kind of hard to have a tremendous amount of confidence in a guy who's had that kind of track record, don't you think? I agree. And I, listen, you need and, and you need four good corners. I mean, you need four guys who can play. I mean, so uh, if you only have two, you're in tr- trouble. We all know that. I mean, you know, you're going to have three on the field 50% of the time minimum. So, you know, you've got to have some corners. Yeah, and Dante Dion is coming back off a hamstring injury. He's only 5'9". He's a real smurf. Uh, he is a good cover slot corner. He missed the first two preseason games with a hamstring injury, but he's back tonight against the Jets. He's really going to have to show them something because, again, the depth at corner is so thin, I think that's another spot that they're going to be looking at the wire on. All right, so what's your overall thoughts on the team? Is it what you thought it would be when you came to camp? Is it better? Is it worse? What would you say about the team as they get ready to play the real only meaningful preseason game they'll play? Are you... Are you, uh, you know, are you thinking more optimistically than you were, or are you more pessimistic? No, actually, Mike, uh, probably a little bit more optimistic, only because the rookies like Carter and Hill and Hernandez appear to have come along very quickly. And you don't always get those guys who come in right away. We knew what Barkley was going to be right away, but you didn't know for sure just how good Hernandez might be or how good Hill or Carter might be. They're going to have significant roles on this team, beginning with the Jaguars game. So I think that probably boosts the optimism a little. I certainly think it's realistic to think the Giants could be competing for a 500 record, give or take a couple wins either way, depending upon how the injuries go, how these thin spots wind up squaring themselves out. But, uh, you know, they certainly are a much better team. I don't think anybody could argue that. Be ready when a bell rings. Their first seven games are as bad as I've ever seen. I mean, and to have Jacksonville and then to have the two games on the road after them to play four road games, seven good teams, four road games, and three uh-huh. in prime and three in prime time. 
I mean, that is a brutal schedule. There's not even a little bit of, a, of an ease, easy game on that schedule. There's not even one breather out of the seven games. That's why that Jacksonville game is enormously important for them. Couldn't agree with you more, Mike. And I think, to be honest, uh, a lot is going to rest on the shoulders of this coaching staff. How quickly can they get you know these guys all on the same page and to be clicking? Because the one thing the Giants will have is the element of surprise. Nobody right now knows exactly what this team is going to bring to the table in the regular season. You know they're not showing much during the preseason anyway. Well, Betcher's the new coordinator on defense. Shula and Shermer are now running the offense. And we've already told you there's a bunch of new guys in this lineup. So at least for the first few weeks of the regular season, I don't know that, that the opposition is going to really have a good handle on what the Giants are. So if they can be in sync, they would have the element of surprise perhaps in their favor. Thanks, Paul, very much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Great to talk to you, Mike.